All right, Kevin. You are good to go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kevin Willard. Do you want to explain anything about who you are? Do you just want to go? Okay, I'll let you do it. Uh, good morning. Hope this thing works. Um, you know, I thought about asking Rusty, can I have two verses? And, and then I thought, yeah, at my age, let's not push it. You know, let's just, we'll just stick with one. So here's that verse, if I can pull it up. It's Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to share with you from this verse is what this justified by faith looks like to me. Uh, it'll be a little different for you, but this is uh, what I want to do is, is, is take you through kind of a short uh, travel log of my grace journey. It's been 25 years I've been on this journey. And, and I want to show you this, um, how I see this, this, this justified by faith through four things, four key things that God taught me over this journey. And, um, and also show you how he brought me out of a, what I call a rules-based, performance-based legalistic system. And I know some of you have been there. Some of you have been here at Leavener and avoided that, which is great. But, uh, but I want to take you through that and just, just to show you the main things that God had taught me. So how did I get there? Um, in 1978, Terry, my wife, and I were married. Um, we were going to school. Uh, I spent four years in the Navigator Bible Studies. You know much about the Navigators. They're big on Bible study and Scripture memory. And while I was there in that four years, I just really developed a passion for studying the Word of God and for memorizing Scripture. I'd memorized hundreds of verses of Scripture. And so, I mean, I was sincere. I was sincere. I wanted to be God's guy. And so graduated in 1980, I took a position at Eli Lilly as a medicinal chemist. We started our family, and we were going to a Bible-believing church. And all that's great, all that's good. But then something happened, and there was a twist to this recipe that kind of pulled me into this vortex of, of performance-based and rules-based theology. And what it was, um, what started it, is I, I'm hardwired as a competitor. So in my 20s, I was, I was a, an intense competitor. Now my earth suit doesn't really care anymore about competing, but, but that was part of it. And then I, I may or may not have a slight tendency toward perfectionism. So, and so if you take that, so I, I've got a passion for the word, I want to be God's guy, and I'm perfectionist-based. And so that pulled me in. And so from about 1980 to the mid-90s, I, I told Matt Tully this once, I became an accomplished legalist. I was really good at it. But the difference was I was sincere. It wasn't a game. I mean, I was sincere, but I was very misguided. And, uh, and I was chasing the phantom, the phantom Christian. You know what a phantom Christian is. I would go there and they say, hey, you want to be God's guy? Yes. Well, in here. Come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, read your Bible, pray, have your, your devotions. And, and so I'm, I'm going, got it, got it. I'm, I'm just, I'm on it. Well, I'd get close to the phantom, the phantom would move. Oh, well, you could participate in children's church and maybe teach Sunday school class. All right, I'll get on that. And, and so that went on in, 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 in chasing the phantom. So, so then by about the mid-90s, the the wheels were falling off. I was miserable. 
I was tired. Um, I was defeated. And I was constantly complaining. And you, can, you, you could ask my wife about that, but I won't let you. But, but then, I, I, and then I started having migraines. Every Sunday I was having migraines. And so, um, and you know, as I thought about this, I wasn't even going to tell you this, but it's because it sounds kind of awful. But I wasn't sure I had good news to share. You know, what, what am I going to say to you? Hey, come to Christ and be as miserable as I am. And, and that's where I was. Um, and, you know, I could go on and on about this, but then God, you know, those are, to me, those are just, I love things like that because they're so powerful. But then God intervened, and he started putting questions in my head. Um, and, and I'll give you just a couple that I, that I would hear all the time. One of them was, uh, Kevin, how are you ever going to know it's enough? I mean, that was haunting, right? So I'm chasing the phantom, and now, you know, God's in my head. How are you ever going to know it's enough? And then the other one that, that I heard was, hey, science guy, you run this experiment every Sunday. You collect the data. You make the observations. How's that Christian life hypothesis holding up for you? And I went, ouch, that, that's going to leave a mark. Because now, not only can I not catch the phantom, now I'm a poor scientist. You know, and, and then one Sunday night, about 1997, the pastor's telling a story about a lady whose husband had been killed in a snowmobile accident, and she blamed her husband's friend. And she told the pastor, I can never forgive him. And so here is this lady in her reaction to her grief, and the pastor takes her to Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, and says, if, if you don't forgive this guy, God won't forgive you. Amen? And I couldn't say amen because God had thrown another question in my head at that moment. And it was, is that really who I am? And so that started me on my grace journey. Now, at the time, I, I didn't know it was a grace journey. All I knew was that I, I just had to start over. It was like I wanted to take the table. I just want to clean it off. And I want to challenge everything. And I just want to start over. So the first thing that I did was I went and Terry bought me this Bible, and it has no commentary. So now, please, please don't, don't, I'm not being critical. If you've got a Bible with a commentary, that's fine. Just, but for me, at this stage, I was spending so much time under the line reading what everybody else thought, and I wasn't spending much time above the line seeing what the Holy Spirit wanted to teach me. And so here's the here, same Bible, still have it. And on the inside, what I would do, I'd start writing down things that God taught me. And I'm, you know, I can get lost pretty easily. So I would do these in two-word phrases. As I, God teach me something, and I take a two-word phrase, and I list it. So what I want to take you on is this journey of the four, four important lessons that I believe comprise, for me, this justified by faith. And so the first one, the first one is complete forgiveness. And if we look at the first verse here, Ephesians one. Uh, 7 and 8, first part of 8. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. And that first part says, which He lavished on us. Man, I just love things like that. It's like He just lavished it on you. And then the second verse I want to share is 1 Peter 
For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just one for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And how many times have you heard Rusty say, how many times did Jesus die? One. One time. And, uh, and then, I'll, this is a bonus verse. You, you want, uh, there's no charge for this one. Um, Hebrews 9.28, which I, it's not on here, but I love this. Jesus is going to return a second time, and you know what that verse says? He's going to do it without reference to sin. He's not even going to bring it up. because and, and in my really keen, sharp, scientific mind, I'm thinking, so maybe that means when Jesus said it's finished, I'll bet what he really meant was if it's finished. And so, so you know, I'm, I'm starting to really put this together, right? Um, so shortly after this message, that Sunday night message, uh, I moved from Lilly to Alanco, and I was working in their animal health division as a pharmaceutical chemist, and they sent me to a dairy farm in Brookings, South Dakota. And, uh, and my job was to find out what... What, what's, what's this industry need? Talk to the veterinarians, see what their needs are, come back here and maybe we can develop some products that would help the industry. And so while I was up there though, every free moment, and I took my pocket Bible up there and every free moment I read from Matthew to Revelation looking for every single verse that had the word forgive or forgiveness in it. And I was writing them down. Back before the days of Google. Um, it would have made it easier. So, so, so that's what I did. I came away from that week with two key things that I learned. One of them was, very simply, I was absolutely convinced I was completely forgiven. Complete forgiveness. Now the second thing I learned, and I yeah, hope, you, hope you understand this is important. Dairy cattle will voluntarily line up in the same order every day as they walk to the milking parlor. So there's your second thing. I don't remember anything else. No. But seriously, the second thing that I learned was in that Matthew 6 passage, Jesus is alive, he's teaching under the law, and he's burying them under the law in order that they might be able to see that complete forgiveness will come through the Lamb of God. And, and, and so I, I, just, I never got that, but now I understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is alive. That's still Old Covenant teaching. And so if you can keep that, that'll help with a lot of those really difficult passages that just don't seem to, to, to make sense with uh, the New Covenant. So um, the thing was that, you know, I, I, knew, I knew these verses. I'd memorized these verses. But what I'd been taught was that there's this positional forgiveness and there's conditional forgiveness. You know, positionally, yeah, these verses are real and you're forgiven. But conditionally... In, 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 in this walk, you know, you're not always kind of forgiven. So you need to continually ask God to forgive you in order to keep short accounts with God um, to, um, you know, he'll turn away from you if you sin. And so if you ask him for, to forgive you, he'll turn back and restore your fellowship and broken fellowship and restore. And it, it, it didn't really make a great deal of sense, but that's what I was taught. And then that in turn is what I taught. So much later... Um, several years later, after we left the legalistic church for a, a less legalistic church, I, I was teaching a small flock group. And, uh, and so one day, one of the elders of the church came to me and he said, did you teach in your small flock group that you don't have to ask God to forgive you? 
And I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, he goes, where are you getting this stuff? And I said, well, I hesitate to tell you, but I'm going to. Um, this guy's been in a lot of trouble before, and if I mention his name, he's probably going to get in trouble again. His name is Paul. Now, that, that was ornery, right? I mean, I, I was just kind of the mean little kid, but I just, I, I had so much fun saying that, i got to tell you. <laughs> and so, so the, this discussion went back and forth for a while, right? It's like, well, why do you ask him to forgive you? Well, why do you not? Well, how do you get your fellowship restored? And I'm going, are you getting out of fellowship? Really? And so this went on, and, and so I said, okay, look, I, gotta, I, I get crazy questions. And you know it's a good thing you're not in here, because sometimes stuff bounces around. It's really wild. But I love crazy questions, because sometimes the crazier they are, the closer to the truth you are. And so I said, okay, I got a crazy idea. What if the Father called you into fellowship? What if the Father did that? If he did, could you get yourself out and then put yourself back in? And, get... and so, uh, so if you take a next, the, look at this next verse I want to share with you. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He called you into fellowship. He, he took you and he placed you into fellowship. And then, I love this. If you look at the next verse, verses 30 and 31 in the same chapter, look at this. So he called you, it was by his doing, right? And placed you into fellowship. And also by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Look, you know, yeah, so that just as it's written, let he who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, you didn't, you didn't come to Christ, and then you get your gift package, and you open it up, and there, here's redemption, and here's wisdom, and here's sanctification. No, if you go back, if you can go back, he became to us. He made you that. That's who you are. That's to me what that fellowship looks like that you were placed into in Christ by God's doing. So it's not that when you sin, God does this, turns these back. Can't look at you. Well, would you forgive me? Okay, I'll look. What he does is, I'm right here. I'm watching you. Come on, really? That's not who you are. Follow me. Get up. He said, so then what do you do when, if you don't ask God to forgive you? I said, well, let me ask you a question. Which... Which is of faith? Which statement is more of faith? God, please, 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 please forgive me for that sin that I just did, as if more forgiveness is needed. Or, God, I, um, I agree with you, and I humbly thank you for the rest of my life, for the forgiveness that I have in Christ. I want to get back up on my feet and get in step with your spirit. See, to me, that's of faith. My fellowship didn't go anywhere. Now, don't get me wrong, I might, if I'm in a season of sin where I decide, and, and, and again, simplification, in my life, sin is kind of one of two things, stupid or selfish. And when I'm in that season, I'm not enjoying the richness of its fellowship. But I can tell you one thing, the Spirit is just looking right at me and saying, really? Come on, come on, that's not, that's not who you are, follow me. And so I hope that makes sense to you, but that's what complete forgiveness um, uh, meant meant to me, and uh, and 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 I, I I don't think I ever had a follow up discussion with that guy for some reason. I'm, I don't remember it. So the second key lesson 
that I learned was God's unconditional love. So I'll just share a couple of verses here. First John 4.16, you know, these are very familiar verses, but we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And then the next verse is in Ephesians 3. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses... And I love this. To know the love of Christ for you, His love for you, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Uh, this, I don't think, okay, Paul, what are you thinking here? So you're telling me I, I need to know the unknowable. That which surpasses my knowledge you want me to know. And I think he's going, yeah, because that's the fullness of God. And so unconditional love is what I wanted to share with you there. And, um, and then we'll, we'll see here relatively soon in, in Romans 8, one of the best ones, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So I so so as I would deliberately, I mean, I planned this. I was deliberately going step by step through these things, and the complete forgiveness was just revolutionary for me. It was astounding. It just ah, oh, it just made it, it made me a radical. I started changing so many things about what I understood about God, and so then I proceeded to the love of God, God's unconditional love. And I'm going, yeah, God, I got that. I understand it. I got that. Very clear. I got that. And then a couple weeks later, I. Here this, here this gets another message in my head. Um, how about my love? Yeah, I got, I got that. I got that one. Three weeks later, um, I have a question, Kevin. What about my love? Okay, God, I don't got that. What am I missing? Well, there was a sore point uh, for me when, in Matthew 22, the great, com- the great commandment, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And I'm going, okay, God, I got a problem. All means all. And in a performance-based system, rules-based system, that I was just being pulled out of slowly, right? I'm not sure about all. And that was where I was getting stuck on God's love. Because I was setting the conditions. You see, here's what I learned. God taught me this, and man, just, again, knocked me off my feet. God looks at me and goes, Kevin, you can't love me with all your heart until you understand I love you with all mine. Wow. Man, that, that just flipped it, solved it, changed it, because God wasn't holding out on me. There was no way I was going to hold out on God. He loved me with all his heart. I never thought of that, because I was busy thinking the conditions of, i got to love God with all mine. So I said, well, okay, I have one other question then related to that. Okay, what is it? Well, if you love me like that, God, why sometimes do I feel like you don't like me very well? And so it's a good question. Third leg of your grace journey, total acceptance. So I learned that if you you, you look at the... um, I think it's Ephesians 1.6 in the King James Version says that um, he made us accepted or acceptable in, in, in Christ. So God made you acceptable in Christ. You're accepted in Christ. I had spent all my time being accepted on the basis of what I was doing. 
and not understanding that I was accepted by faith on the basis of what Jesus had already done. Because a rules-based system says do in order to be. Grace says done. Now let's go do. It's very different. It's just flipped backwards. And so, um, and so I think that that was the, the key there too is, is this. You know what? The Spirit taught me that um, love apart from acceptance loses its meaning. And if you understand what I'm saying there, love apart from acceptance loses its meaning. And so that's why I can, you know, on the worst, on our worst day, when the last thing you want to do is even look at yourself in the mirror, God not only loves you, He likes you. You're con- unconditionally loved and you're totally accepted. The fourth key learning, and I, I wondered, I got to think of maybe this is unlearning. And I told Matt Tully once, I said, man, I am a, I'm a fast learner. I'm just a really slow unlearner. I had so much stuff to unlearn and start back over. But the fourth one here I want to share is limitless grace. And here's a couple of verses. Uh, this one in Romans 5, verse 20. The law came so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And then the next verse I want to share is in Titus 2, 11 and 12. And this great, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Okay, here's what I used to think grace was, right? You're going to have a really good day. Uh, I'm going to give you five units of grace. And you're going to have a really bad day. Here's, okay, here's 100 units of grace. I want you to be really careful with it because that's all I got today. And that's kind of the way I looked at grace, that God was giving it out like a commodity. And, and then you see these verses, right? And at its core, I'm absolutely convinced grace is a person. Because who instructs? People do. People teach. Who appeared? Jesus. Who instructs me? Jesus. Um, what did John say about Jesus in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 14? He's full of grace and truth. So, so what I see today is at its core, grace is a person. I want to conclude with this and, and give you something to think about. I, um, so as I, as I share these four things that comprise this just justified by faith, uh, I was reading in Hebrews a couple of years ago and, 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 and a lot of times the people say, hey, what's your favorite verse? And I go, Hebrews. So, uh, and, and so uh, a few years ago, I was reading Hebrews again. And I got to Hebrews 8, 1, first part here. Oh, man, this is so cool. Now, the main thing, the main point in what has been said is this. That's cool. So, so think about this. Do you all remember when you were in second semester physical chemistry and you're studying quantum mechanics and the topic is orbital theory? Remember that? Yeah. Well, I was in that class and I don't remember it. But if the professor had said, now look, the main point in what has been said is this. I would have got out my slate and my piece of chalk and I would have been ready to write it down. Now today, you know, you'd probably get your phone. I think it's like a, they call it an iPhone, and you and you you'd probably record it, right? 
But think about that. What's the main thing? And when I saw that verse, this has been a couple years ago, and I, I've read Hebrews a lot. I'm going, who put that in there? That, that wasn't there before. Somebody's been in my Bible and they've written that in there. And here it is. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. So do you see the main point? The Father is satisfied. Satisfied Father. So that was the fifth, that was the thing I, so in each of these I've written in my Bible years ago. But that's the foundation. So I, I hope this picture came up very well if you can see it. So this is the picture of what I've tried to share with you, what I think this justified by faith looks like. You're completely forgiven. Why? Father satisfied in his son. There's unconditional love coupled with total acceptance. He not only loves you, he likes you. How can that be? Father satisfied in the son. And there's limitless grace to cover all my junk. How can that, how can that be? Father satisfied in the son. He doesn't need my performance. He's satisfied in his son. Work is finished. And so my question would, my, I guess my final question is, uh, so where are you in the son? The father's satisfied. So this is what this justified by faith looks like to me. Um, you know, as I go back, I think back on, on all those years of things that I did, and there were a lot of good things. But it's like somebody has headphones on, and they're listening to music, and you see them, and I mean, they're just into the music, right? They're, they're swaying, they're, of course, I can't do that, it'd fall down. But they're, they're just really into the music. And somebody else across the room could look at that and see that, and they could say, man, it looks like they're having a good time, and imitate it, right? We could just imitate it. Who's probably going to start dancing last? Who's, who's going to stop dancing first, right? It's the person that can't hear the music. So when I look back 25 years ago, a lot of the things that I did kind of looked pretty similar to today. But the difference is to hear the music. And it's, it's, it's the music of the Spirit of God taking the life of Christ and living it through you. Um, I love this quote. as a, a some summary quote. Ian Thomas said, um, Christ gave his life for you so that he could give his life to you so that he could live his life through you. And I think that sums it up. That's the, what this Colossian uh, uh, two six says. Just as therefore you received Christ, how'd you do that? By faith. So I, I th really think that's what Paul meant. He didn't. He meant to say so. Walk in Him. Be who you are. So I hope this. Uh, hope this helps. It's, it's, it's the picture of, of my grace journey, um, and it's rest and it's anchored in that satisfied Father. So would you pray with me, please, Father? Now, the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who's taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Therefore, having been justified by faith, wow, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's phenomenal. Amen.